The scripture reading today is from Psalm 95, verses 1 to 7. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing songs of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land, too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. Thank you, Lori. Lori and Ray, I'm going to say this last name wrong because I just had them tell me it and I can't remember. Batashio. Okay, but that's close. I'll just say it's in the ballpark. Thank you, Corey. Where's Corey? Thank you so much. That was awesome this morning. Appreciate your, your openness and your transparency. Thank you. Let's stand together and pray. Lord, you, uh, you've brought us together this morning. I think that thought that Corey has shared with us just resonates that we're all broken and scarred. Uh, none of us have it all together. And we're grateful that you love us as we are and you continue to take us on a journey of wholeness. So thank you, Lord. And, Lord, as we open our hearts this morning, we ask your Holy Spirit to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we've begun a uh, new, we're beginning a new series of messages this morning. Uh, five messages, maybe six if we get really inspired, under the banner of, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. And we want to do some stretching this, this fall, some faith stretching. And the messages are purposefully directed to help us be reminded of, of God's road for his church, uh, who he wants us to be. Uh, and perhaps said in another way, these are, these are signs of a healthy church, if we can emphasize these particular priorities. And the first message is discovering a life of worship. Discovering a life of worship. I walked through the uh, quietness of the auditorium on Monday morning and I felt at quite a loss as to where to begin to tackle such a huge subject as worship and to kind of bring it down to something for us for 30 minutes. It's such a huge topic and I, I simply said, Lord, I don't know where to start? I need you to bring some focus here. And it was quietly awesome. In a few moments, these beautiful banners that hang from these two walls seem to push forward and become a little bit more prominent. And every one of them has the bold words that you can see, love God, love God, love God and love God. And I thought, that's the what? Love God. Love God. 
And how do you love him? Well, you love him with your heart. And you love him with your mind. And you love him with your soul. And you love him with your strength. So you, you, the what is to love God. And then there's the how with your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. And have you looked at the banner closely? Have you seen the cross in the banner? And it's a bit subtle, and you have to look just below the cross. It, it looks to me like dead wood or driftwood. Uh, I'm not sure, but it makes good sense if it's dead wood because the cross rises out of the deadness of our hearts and our lives. But the cross is the why. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We love him, why? Well, because he first loved us. That's the why. And so our message this morning really is in the banners. The message is in the banners. I, I do really love what God has done and is doing at TCC. The vision for this church is to be really to be connected to our community. So much so that everyone in our neighborhood will get the chance to hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Now wouldn't that be awesome if everyone in our community got the opportunity to hear the life-changing message of Christ. And I love the future direction of the church too. Being mindful as a church that God has blessed us and that he wants us to take that blessing to our city and to our world. And we feel like we can be influencers right here in this community. And we feel that God will also bring us to a place of multiplication where we can be used in other parts of southwest Edmonton to start a new church plant. And so that's the overflow of the blessing. And that's the joy of offering ourselves to God and saying, we love you, God, and we're at your service. We're at your service. And we want to be balanced in our ministry. A worshiping church, a serving church, a relational, connecting church, a discipling church, or perhaps call it an apprenticing church, and a church that gives itself to its community and multiplies and really makes a difference. So that's a healthy church. And it requires diligence and commitment to emphasize not just one of those, but all five of them, uh, kind of like at the end of chap chapter 2 of the book of Acts, when that new community of faith was formed. Now, like you, I've traveled to a, a lot of different churches. And you know, when you travel to different churches, you always find a little different flavor in every church. Every church has a personality, just like we have personalities. And you find small churches, a church of 30, 40, 50 people. And you find some very large churches of 20,000 people. Huge churches. You find evangelistic churches. You find quaint churches. You find very busy churches. You find churches that have an emphasis on teaching. You find dying churches and thriving churches and denominational churches and independent churches. Uh, it's always so uplifting when you visit a church that has found a focus 
in worshiping. Found a focus in worshiping. I don't mean by that that everybody has just lost control and things have gone wild. But the, the real focus of the people of God in that church is that they worship. They're worshipers. They're worshipers. And they come into the presence of God and you just sense there's a sense of worship across the whole body. Years ago, a man by the name of A.W. Tozer preached a series of messages to pastors in Canada. At the time, he was a good alliance man, Corey. Uh, uh, I guess he continued to be a good alliance man. Uh, in South Chicago, amazing man of God, insightful man, led by God. And he put together a series of messages that were used so powerfully uh, that they were eventually printed. I think you can get that little booklet today. And he made a statement that seemed to re resonate at that time. And uh, although I think this generation is much more intentional in its focus with worship, but he said in that time, maybe that was back in the 40s or the 50s, that worship is the missing jewel of the evangelical church. Worship is the missing jewel of the evangelical church. I love our generation. I think you do too. I think we see a call back to worship. And I love it when we find that balance in worship. A solid message from the scripture, yes. But a blend of, of, of musical response from the people. A spirit of worship that addresses the living God. Sometimes just silence. Thank you. This morning. Yeah, it was, it was so right just to stop and to have a moment of silence. Freedom from cliches. No side comments to misdirect our attention. Places where you can come into the presence of the living God and he grips your heart and he doesn't let you go. We know when the Spirit of God is moving among us. And you always remember those times when you meet the king. Places where you can pour out your heart to the king of all kings. Free to enjoy the one who made you. A worshiping church. And we're all growing in worship. Be encouraged. It's a growth. It's a growth. You don't jump from here to here. It's, we're all growing in our worship. I just read the story of one person... Uh, a lady who had gone to church all her life. She said, I've come to so many worship services all through my life, but I just kind of went through the rote and the routine until today. And I really worshiped. I really worshiped. She said, I'd never really encountered him, but today I did. I met him. She was telling her pastor. And that's where we're growing. Just knowing that when we come together, we are together, and we are mindful that, that God alone is our audience. We don't perform for one another, but our goal is to please Him. And isn't it easy to be so overly conscious of one another to the place where we get distract, distracted or fearful. 
No one can worship for me. We have all kinds of prompts available. You've seen them this morning. There are all kinds of prompts available. But it's like coming to the water. No one can drink for me. Someone can lead me to the water, but they can't make me drink. I have to lift up my heart to God and say, God, how can I please you today? Now, can I take you to Psalm 100 and just ask the question, what does God want of us? What would please him? Did you ever ask those questions about worship? If only I knew, I would do it. Lord, if only I knew what you wanted, I would give it. Well, Psalm 100 is beautiful. It answers the question, what? It tells what God is looking for. And the psalm has your name on it. It's addressed to all the earth. <laughs> that would be you. That would be me. So this is not just a psalm for Canadians or for Americans or Koreans or Africans or Asians or South Americans. It's a psalm for all the earth. So put your name in the inbox and make it personal. It's not a psalm for any particular Christian group like Baptists or Pentecostals or Roman Catholics or Lutherans. It's a psalm for all of us, for the people of God. It's a psalm at the close of a group of enthronement psalms. The psalms are kind of categorized and some of them are called enthronement psalms. Wonderful psalms that talk about the Lord reigning and being king over all the earth. So first of all, the what of worship. What do we do to love our God and bring him our worship? Let's not make it difficult. Here it is. Bring your gladness. First thing, bring your gladness. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. So whether you say it in Hebrew or in Greek or in Russian or in German or Polish or Spanish or Mandarin or English, it's the same in every language. It means the same. Worship the Lord with gladness. Just what it says. Worship ought to have a certain joy to it. It ought not to be drudgery. Oh no, there's a gladness in our worship. There's a gladness. It's the overflow of who we are in Christ. Do you know there's a spot on this earth where there's a lot of gladness? Do you know where that is? It's always true. In the room, minutes after a baby is born. Oh my. Is it a happy place or not? When mom is fine and baby is fine, and we're just ready to examine the evidence of a new life born into the world. Oh, look at that nose. <laughs> oh, it's not a great nose. That's your nose. Check out that hair. Where did that baby get all that hair? And those little toes. And everybody's smiling and doing a little dance. It's a happy place. You know who else is in that birth room? God. The moment you were born into the world, God was there, watching, smiling at your birth. Your arrival brought such joy to his heart. He didn't need to make you, but he did, because he loved you, and he wanted you, and he chose you for his joy. Isn't that great? You exist for his benefit, for his purpose, for his delight.
That's why you were born. That's why God smiled when you were born, because you were born to bring him delight. He was delighted in you, and as his child, you bring pleasure to God like nothing else he has ever created. So do you know what the goal of your life is? Really? Simply put? To return God's smile. You know, when, when somebody smiles at you, you kind of automatically have to smile back. Your goal in life is just to smile back. God delights in who you are. Bringing enjoyment to God, living for His pleasure, is the first purpose of your life. And when you fully understand that, you'll never again have to struggle with feeling insignificant. Bringing enjoyment to God. Bringing Him pleasure. The smile of God is the goal of your life. The smile of God. Ephesians 5.10 says, Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Isn't that great? Just so simple. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Psalm 100 says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Bring a smile to the heart of God with your smile, with the heart of gladness and joy. Come to the Father, the Abba Father, and delight in Him and enjoy His presence. Worship with gladness. Worth, worship means worth-ship. The worthiness of God. Secondly, bring your songs of joy. Come before Him singing with joy. When we worship the Lord with gladness, we bring ourselves. When we worship Him with joyful songs, we bring our songs. And the Lord loves it when we bring our songs of joy. I'm just so glad that we do that every Sunday morning. We bring our songs of joy. And I love it when we see that joy in the worship team and in each of you. So much so that sometimes we just jump right in as we did this morning and applaud. Spontaneous. That's great. Don't ever lose that. That's not distracting. That's encouraging. You know, worship team, it might look like we're applauding you, but I think you're wise enough to know that we're really bringing our applause to God because our hearts have swelled with joy. And we just need to release it. It's like, oh, how do I say God is good? To Him be praise. I know that many of you listen to worship music all week long. And you bring that offering of music to Him every day. That's awesome. Some of you have been listening to Psalm 100. I didn't know that Chris Tomlin had written a song uh, on Psalm 100. You can Google it. It's a great song. So you sing and you worship all week long. And then again on Sunday morning. Yes, the psalmist says to come before him with joyful songs. I think we all know it, but it's good to be reminded that worship is all-inclusive. I mean, it's not just a synonym for music. We, we quickly say, well, the sermon is right after the worship time. Oh, we know what we mean, but it's not really accurate. Every part of our Sunday experience together is a time of worship. Our praying, our scripture reading, our singing, our confession. We're beginning to think about that little word confession because we don't really spend any time in confession in our public service. But maybe we ought. Maybe we ought to figure out how to do that. Our silence 
our listening to a sermon, our taking notes, our offering, our baptismal times, our communion, our greeting, people in the sound booth back there in the video, our ushering. I mean, it's, it's all worship. And God loves all kinds of music because he invented it all. Fast and slow and loud and soft and old and new. You probably have some preferences in music. But God loves it all. If it's offered to him in the spirit of uh, truth and authentic worship. You know, Christians through the years have disagreed over the style of music used in worship. You might not have known that. Oh, it's coming. But there is no biblical style. There is no biblical style. There are no musical notes in the Bible. We don't use the instruments that were used in biblical times. We talked the other Sunday about musical instruments that David the psalmist invented. But we don't even really know what they are or were. They were the unique instruments of his day. And so you travel around the world these days and you encounter all kinds of styles. We don't go to another country and say, you haven't got the biblical style of worship. <laughs> no, God, God loves variety and he enjoys it all. And did you know there's no such thing as Christian music? What? There are only Christian lyrics. It's the words that make a song blessed and anointed. Not the tune. The tune gives its appeal and richness. But the tune without words is just music. It's just music. Sometimes you hear people say, well, I got a lot out of the worship today. Well, we know what that person means. But when you think of it, worship isn't for you. It's what you bring. It's for God. Does this mean that we should never sing a song or hymn that reminds us of our frailty and sin and our disobedience? Are they all songs of joy? No, I don't think that's what we should surmise from this. Because sometimes when we come to worship, and maybe you're here this morning, our hearts are broken. Our hearts are really broken. Sometimes things aren't good, but yet you come and your heart of love and gratitude is for who God is in your life. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. And then thirdly, bring your biblical understanding and truth. Here's what the psalmist says. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people and the the people of his pastures. Now I know what it's like to be up in front here and in a public setting and sometimes we may say something and then when we reflect upon it we go back home and say was that accurate what I said? Because we kind of set it off the top of our head and maybe we hadn't thought it through and suddenly the words were just coming out of our mouths and that didn't sound quite theologically correct. Well, sometimes that happens. We want to be biblically correct, as correct as we can be without being legalistic and scolding someone for not getting it just right. And you know, that can be a real downer too. 
But here's some great theological truth. Acknowledge who the Lord is. He's God. And He is the Creator. And we are the created. Wow, look at all the theology that could be unraveled there. The Lord is deity. He is divine. He is God Himself. We are created. We are human. But we are made by God. So He's the Creator. And we're the humans. And as we follow God, we recognize that we are related to Him. Not just created, but we're His people. We're His people. We've been adopted into His family. We're people of His pasture. I heard of a guy who said, I'm a self-made man. And someone else shouted back, well, he said that certainly relieves God of some of the responsibility, doesn't it? <laughs> I suppose it does. But the truth is that none of us are self-made. Even if we say we are, He made you, and you're His. And that's great theology. And when we come to the Lord, He is the only Lord and God. And we have to establish that truth right from the beginning. Who we worship. Who He is. And who we are. God is pleased when we worship. And when our worship is thoughtful. Not necessarily academic. But thoughtful. It doesn't need to be a seminary class on Sunday morning. But thoughtful. We want to engage the mind and the heart. So read the scriptures in different translations and paraphrases to expand your expression of biblical truth. If you're reading in one translation, get another one. Go to BibleGateway.com. Look at all the versions and begin to read in other versions just to so, sort of expand your thinking and your phraseology of, of the scripture. Oh, and try praising God without using the words praise, hallelujah, thanks, or amen. Just try it. Takes a little thought. But your expression of praise becomes richer for yourself and for others. Oh, and make a list of the different names of God. And focus on them. The different names give us a different perspective on the character of God. And it stretches you. So bring your biblical understanding and truth. And then fourthly, bring your thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now this is a verse, every time I see it, I love to go to the message version and read it. It says, enter with the password, thank you. <laughs> Make yourselves at home talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. Isn't that good? Kind of catches your attention. Enter with, it's like, I got to get my password. Enter with your password. And when you think of it, you begin to realize that Thanksgiving really is a very important password in life. Because when you can come to the point where you can be thankful in spite of how things are, thankful that God's still in charge, thankful that he's still on the throne of your life, it changes everything. It's amazing how it changes everything. So enter with the password, thank you. 
That's part of worship. It's really a very beautiful part of worship, having a thankful heart. It's really quite life-changing to have a thankful heart. I mean, we could go through life taking all that God gives, but never giving Him thanksgiving and praise. Oh, and thank the people in your life who are helping you in this season of life, but remember that to God ultimately belongs all praise and thanksgiving. So that's the what of worship in Psalm 100. And then there's the why of worship. Why do we worship God? And verse 5 is just really quite short and to the point. And it says, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Why do you come to church on Sunday morning? Why do you carve out any time in your daily schedule to spend time with the Lord? Why do you have a song in your heart all week long? Why do you bless others? Because I know you've come to know that the Lord is God. You've come to understand who He is. And you've come to know that He's good. That He's good. That He's good. You know He's faithful. He's been faithful to you. He's been faithful to you. And so you worship. And so we come on a morning like this to rehearse the goodness of God. The Lord is good. He's brought us here yet another time. The Lord is good. He's allowed me one more opportunity. One more opportunity. And won't you just say in the quietness of your heart this morning, Lord, you're good. Lord, you're good. I worship you. Lord, you're good. I read about a man who sat in coffee shops all over the world and he watched people and he was conducting an experiment on touch so he counted the times people touched each other in this coffee shop during an hour span and he kept a record of his observations that were so revealing in Puerto Rico there were 186 touches an hour in the coffee shop in France it was reduced to 110 an hour. When he came to the United States, it was only two times an hour. In England, there were no touches. Now, things have changed in England, I understand. I'm English. The writer said, when I heard that, I thought to myself, he should have gone to Italy. Now, Italians don't simply hug and kiss you. They frisk you. Some cultures have a way of opening up their hearts. And that's what's so important in worship. Worship is simply a way for us to open up our hearts. In worship, there's no place that is free from his touch. We may resist him and say, Oh no, you can't go there, Lord. But worship is unguarded. Open where we recognize his goodness and we give him room to touch us and to change us and to encourage us. And worship gives us the big picture of who God really is. It, it magnifies our God. And worship enlarges my vision. Oh, I, I know, I, I see things in such a limited way. But when I begin to worship, he, he expands my world my mind 
He lifts my eyes and he allows me to see his direction. Wow, and I get inspired and I get challenged. <coughs> worship enlarges my vision. And worship removes my fear. I might have come here this morning with fear in my heart. But when I worship, I leave with a confidence and a strength in my heart. God's got it. Worship changes my perspective. I may have been stuck in my rut. I couldn't see it any other way. But when I worship, I'm open to receive a new perspective. Oh, the Lord changes my thinking. He changes my attitude. He changes my heart. Why do we worship? Back to the cross at the, in the banner. That we worship because of Jesus Christ who has brought us into a new adventure with God through his death on the cross. And he's forgiven our sins and he's released us from the prison of fear and worry. He loves us and he's brought us close to God. We were separated, but because of Christ, he's brought us close to God again. And so if you're here this morning and uh, you're looking to make sense of whatever crisis that you might be in right now, then can I just say, just stop what you're doing and worship him. And then he'll come and find you. He'll come and find you. Just stop and worship him. And he'll come and he'll find you. And he will invade your circumstances with his presence. And what he wants most from you is, is you. And that's why we worship. We just bring us to him. It's not for God's benefit, but it's for your benefit. And the way to get to know God is to, is to simply to worship him. I know you could choose to say, I'm, I'm going to stand firm in my pride. I, I don't think I'm going to give in on this. I'm going to handle everything on my own. I'm going to be my own boss. And you could do that, but you'll spend the rest of your life trying to flounder through things. And it would be so much easier just to surrender and to bow to him and to worship him. Worship. We're going to sing this morning, Here I Am, to worship. And I invite our worship team to come. Here I am to, to bow down. And here I am to say, You're my God. So let's stand together. Lord, uh, we're here to worship. In song, in prayer, in the word. So we pray you'd enlarge our vision. We pray you'd remove our fears. We pray that you would change our perspectives. In Jesus' name, amen.